just want to welcome you to ETW Worship and Deliverance Center. Thank you very much for joining Pastor Kim in, in worship. And so we want to uh, invite you um, to have your communion ready if you don't already have it. Um, if you would have your communion ready for the, when the time comes for us to take communion. God bless you. So let's go ahead on and go into, into prayer. So, Father, by the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we thank you, God, for this day, another Sunday to worship you, to begin our week in, in honor and praise and glory into your name. Father, thank you for every person who is here, who is seen, viewing, or even listening, God. Uh, just thank you so much. And we just ask in the name of your Son, Jesus, that you're glorified and honored with the words that are spoken. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. You are welcome to speak. You are welcome, God, to take authority. You are welcome for your will and nothing but your will to be done. But Father, you are the chief shepherd and there is no one and nothing greater than you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've been talking about and we said that we were going to continue with the study of the kingdom of heaven so we're going to be talking about the kingdom of the kingdom of god and the kingdom of satan so we want to continue along that lines as we continue to um study before we study we're going to pull up uh hebrews 4 12 and begin to um speak hebrews 4 12 if you don't have it go ahead and read it and we're decreeing and declaring the word of god over the spoken word that we're going to be hearing today hebrews 4 12. i believe that the word of god is quick and powerful sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart i believe and so god we thank you for your word and we believe that your word is quick we believe that it is powerful we believe dear god that your word cuts your word encourages your word dear god reproves it rebukes your word binds up the work of the enemy your word dear god so the word that is going to be spoken today in the name of your son jesus we pray that the enemy does not come and steal but that god it bears fruit and it bears root deep root god in the pits of our soul in jesus name amen so we are for the first time we're we're worshiping outside uh, we're going to try to um enjoy outside so if you hear a little background noise or something please um you know overlook it if it gets to be too much then you know i'll head on in but other than that we're just going to enjoy uh thank you thank you minister taylor we're going to enjoy outside amen so the first scripture we're going to go to is Mark, the first chapter. And I'm going to turn this way. Mark, the first chapter. Hi, Sister Veronica. God bless you. It's always good to have you to come on. Mark the first chapter, and we're going to start at the 14th verse. Now, remember, we was talking that um, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan are different kingdoms. But before I begin to teach on the kingdom of Satan, which BTW Worship and Deliverance Center is actually a, a church that deals with demonic spirits, um, dealing with casting these spirits out of your home casting them out of your person your life but before i can teach on that for a full understanding i want to teach on the kingdom of god because the scripture says that the kingdom of god is greater than the kingdom of the enemy but if i just begin to teach on the kingdom of satan then we're not going to understand the kingdom of god and his power because we will think that satan's power is greater than god's kingdom and it's not if he wants us to believe that he wants us to fear him satan wants us to feel that he doesn't exist that he's just a myth but he isn't 
So I'm covering scriptures and verses and teachings on the kingdom of God and what we're supposed to be doing, how we're supposed to be living. Uh, BTW, we always say kingdom warriors, right? We're here as kingdom kingdom warriors. We raise up women that are kingdom warrior women. We raise up men that are kingdom warrior men. That means you are kingdom minded. That means that you have the mind of Christ. You are heaven bound. Kingdom warrior, what does that word warrior means? It means that you understand that this world calls for a warfare. We are in a warfare right? It's a spiritual warfare. So a kingdom warrior means that we war for the kingdom of God. We war for the kingdom of God. The scripture says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, rulers of darkness, wickedness in high places. As a kingdom warrior, that's where our wrestle come from. But before we can understand the work of the enemy, we have to understand the power of God. Before we can understand the work of the enemy and how he comes to steal, kill, and destroy, we have to understand the power of God. We have to understand what is our role. What is Jesus teaching? Jesus taught the kingdom of God. We're in a season and time in our lives and in, in this nation where God could come right now and not too many people would be surprised because of the things that, that are taking place, right? Because the kingdom of God is at hand. So let's let's go to um, Mark. We're going to start at the 14th verse. Um, I'm just going to give you just a little, bring you up to, to speed. John was a forerunner for Jesus. And John being the forerunner of, of, for Jesus, he was the voice in the wilderness. Basically, verse 3, prepare you the way he made his cries. Um, he baptized, he preached. Um, and as he continued to preach, in verse 7, it says, There come one mightier than I, the latch of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop, to stoop down and unloose. I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. So it came a point that John continued to preach. He continued to baptize. But John was imprisoned. And that brings us to verse 14, um, because his before before we go that understand. When you walk with God, do not think that it's going to always be easy. Do not think that it's going to be a gravy train. Don't think that you're going to all it's going to always be well for you. Good for you. You're going to have trouble. You're going to have trials. And just because you walk with God does not mean that God will, um, that your life will be without it, without trials, without tribulations. John went through a tribulation because he spoke the word of God and he spoke it with boldness. He spoke it with authority. And because of how he preached and the lives that was changed, he was in prison, but it was all within the timing of God because after John was in prison, Jesus began to do his preaching. So that brings Amen. us up to verse 14. Now, after that, John was put in prison. Jesus came unto Galilee, preaching the gospel, the kingdom of God. What was taught? The kingdom, the kingdom of, of God. God. That's what we should be teaching is the kingdom of God. We should be teaching the kingdom of God and what it means to be a kingdom minded person what it means to be a kingdom warrior. We call ourselves Christians. And then when we see Christians that begin to act like the world, we call them carnal minded Christians, right? But if we were kingdom minded, then there would be no room for a carnal mind. If our mind was on Christ, stayed on Christ, focused on Christ, then there would be no room for the world to come in and label us as a carnal Christian. Christian is a term that has been used so loosely, not very many secular people can take it serious. Oh, you're a Christian? Okay, yeah, my grandma is a Christian and she smokes, she drinks, she gets high, right? And she go to church on Sunday, boy, she'll shout that hat off, right? Mm -hmm. And 
the pastor, he's a Christian and he's sleeping with everybody in the church, right? He, mm -hmm. matter of fact, he got married over there pregnant, mm -hmm. right? Or the evangelist is a Christian and the evangelist, you know, came in and, and, you know, womanizing everybody, right? Or the choir director, choir director is a Christian, but you know, there's some things going on with the choir director, but he sure can sing. Mm -hmm. So we gonna keep the choir director, right? Cause he can really make everybody shout. So we look at things. We don't look at our mindset, what our mindset is really supposed to be. Our mindset is supposed to be on the kingdom of God. So verse 15, so Jesus, John was put into prison, preaching the gospel, the kingdom of God, and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Mm -hmm. The time is fulfilled. What time was that? The time for repentance. The time for repentance. Jesus had come. So when Jesus came, he was a forerunner for Jesus. Jesus came to do what? He, he came to reconcile he came as a redemptive God he came to give his life the time had come to be fulfilled for Jesus to give his life so John is saying the kingdom of God is at hand the kingdom of God is at hand repent and believe the gospel the kingdom of God right in the beginning we talk about in the beginning was a word the word was with God and the word was God the kingdom of God is in Christ Jesus. Amen. So the kingdom of God had now, because Jesus had now um, had come and was baptized. And he rose from the water. And what did what did God say? This is my son. And this is my friend. beloved son and whom I'm well pleased. And then Satan drove him. This, well, the spirit of God drove him into the wilderness where he was tempted by the enemy. Okay, so the kingdom of God is at hand which was the preaching of john which is what jesus was preaching mm -hmm. the kingdom of god is at hand number one and what was the first thing that was being preached about the kingdom of god repent 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 so what should we should be teaching repent repent and what is this what is the second thing that was preached verse verse 15. what what, what is the second one the first one was repent. The second one was that the kingdom of God is at hand and believe the gospel. Believe the gospel. So we're to preach what? Repentance. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Believe the gospel. Believe the gospel. That's what we should be teaching. Repentance and belief in the word of God. Why? Because the time is at hand. Are we in the season now where the time is at hand? Oh, yeah. So what should we be teaching? Repent. The kingdom of God. And believe the gospel. Repent. Believe the gospel. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. If any of you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, please understand the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and be baptized. Repent. And believe the gospel. Let's turn to Luke, the thirteenth uh, chapter. We're still talking about the kingdom of God. Luke, the thirteenth chapter. And we're going to look at the twenty-eighth through the thirtieth verse. So Jesus had given a parable and he said, where should I liken unto the kingdom of God? That's verse 20. And he says, well, it's likened 11, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal and the whole was leavened. And I'm going to go ahead on and continue to read starting at verse 23 and said unto him, Lord, are there few that be saved? And he said unto him, strive to enter in at the straight gate for many i will say to you will seek to enter and will not be able strive to enter into the straight gate the scripture says 
straight is a gate and narrow is the way. And he says, strive to enter into the straight gate. I say unto you, you shall seek it. You will seek to enter in, but not be able. Why will, won't we be able to enter into the straight gate? Okay. Okay, because we haven't repented, because we haven't believed in the gospel. But if we if we strive to enter in at the straight gate and we're at the gate, what must it take for us to enter into that gate? To be what? Okay, to be born again. And after we're born again, then what happens? Live for Christ, be baptized. And that means that we have to have a what mindset? Kingdom. We have to have a kingdom mindset. What's the difference between having a kingdom mindset and being a Christian? Sin. A kingdom mindset is my mind is on Christ. Being a Christian is a title. You see the difference? If I'm kingdom bound and I have a kingdom mindset and I'm a kingdom warrior, then that means my mind is on God. That means my mind is focused on Christ. So I'm more than just a Christian. I am a kingdom warrior. I am headed toward the kingdom. Amen. So I'm striving to get to that straight gate. Now, it doesn't mean striving doesn't mean I'm striving for salvation. It means I am striving to do right. Right. I'm striving for holiness. I'm striving for sanctification. I'm striving for purification. I'm striving to be clean. How do we strive for that? One word. Repent. Repent. That means I do not live in the sin and feel comfortable in it. That means if I sin, I repent. And if I sin and I repent, what does repent mean? I turn away from it. I don't continue in it. I go on to live for Christ. So if I'm out here and, 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 and I hate the term smoke and drink and get high for Katie. But those are the ones that most people are familiar with. But you can gossip, right? You can hurt someone with your words, right? If I'm out there and I'm doing that and I continue to, to live like that and do like that and I don't repent, then I'm not striving. I have settled. But when you're kingdom minded and you see the sin and you turn from it and you start and you ask God to forgive you. He said he takes his sins and casts as far as the east is from the west and he doesn't remember it anymore. And we start living for Christ. That makes a difference. That gives us that kingdom mind. Like you heard, the, there was a term that, that my grandmother used to say, you, um, you're so heavenly bound, you're no earthly good. And I, you know, and I used to think that that was just an insult. How dare you say that? But that was a compliment. It means that you're striving so much for God until you're not a part of this world. That's what a kingdom minded person is. And if we're seeking out the kingdom of God and understanding the kingdom of God, that should be our mindset that we are seeking the best of God. Now it says verse 25, when once the master of his house is risen up and have shut the door and ye being to stand without and to knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. And he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not whence who you are. So when the master of the house, who's the master of the house? God, the Lord and Savior Jesus, he's the master of the house. Mm -hmm. And when he comes and he rises up. And he comes and he shut the door. And you're standing out there knocking. And you're saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. And he says, I don't know you. I don't know who you are. By the things that you did, your attitude, your works. We're going to be judged by every thought, word, deed, and action. We can be in church and think about, I wonder if my chicken is burning. Mm -hmm. I mean, are you there? Seriously, mm -hmm. are, you, are, are, are you there? Mm -hmm. Or we can look at some, you know, women lust after men like men lust after women, both both ways. So are you kingdom minded when you're sitting there wanting something that's not yours? Mm -hmm. Are you being kingdom minded? 
when you're stealing are you being kingdom minded no and you go to church and you and you're holy one way and then you come home and you live a life another way right God's going to say unto you, depart from me. I don't know who you are. If God has laid in your word, in his word, what the attitude and the heart of a wife is supposed to be, and you're not respecting your husband, you're, you are being disrespectful. You're calling them out. You're calling them names. And I always tell wives, I'm going to be honest with you. I always say, wives, get your PhD in your husband. Husbands, get your PhD in your wife. Understand them as a weaker vessel so here we are we're living this life and we're thinking we're doing everything that's right everything that's holy but we know in our heart we're not i mean when you sin don't you know you're not saying it well, but why do we continue to do it okay it feels good but why do we really continue to sin okay i'm selfish but why why do we continue to sin because our lives are not okay let's not go so deep that's that's good our lives are surrender you know it's simple because we can't see god and we think he can't see us and we can get away yeah we can i can get away with it he, you know i can't see him he really don't see this sin. i can get away just this one time scripture says that sin that pleasure of sin is only before a moment. We forget to turn around that sin and see there's a consequence to that sin, right? So when you stand before God, he said, I don't know you. you, you you're not my child. You don't have that DNA that I've given to you. You're not walking in that character that I've given to you. I don't recognize any of me in you, right? Yeah, you go to church. You look good when you go. Great. Well, how are you living when you leave those doors of the church? How are you living when you're at home? How are you living when you're at work? How are you living? Because the way you're living now does not exemplify who I am in you. So depart from me. How many of you really want God to say, depart from me? I don't know you. I don't know who you are. But that's exactly what's going to happen when we stand before the Lord. And then he says, then shall ye say, ye have eaten and drank in my presence and has taught in our streets. But he shall say, I tell you, I know you not. Whence ye are, depart from me and all ye workers of iniquity. Did not eat, did not drink in your presence. Haven't I taught in the streets? But he said, I don't know you. I don't know who you are. When I look at your heart, your heart does not line up with my will for your life. Your heart does not say that you are my child. So I don't know you. Verse 28, it says, There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you shall see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, and you yourself thrust out. I'm going to land right there on verse 28. What's going to be in hell? If you're not in the kingdom of God, then you're in the kingdom of hell. When you're in Satan's kingdom. What, what's going to be in the kingdom of Satan? Weeping and gnashing of teeth. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. So let's talk about weeping. What does weeping mean? Crying. What does gnashing of teeth mean? Grinding your teeth. Why would, there, why would God put weeping and gnashing of the teeth together? Okay. You went a little deep. Come on, come on up a little bit. So if there's weeping and gnashing of the teeth, there must be a lot of anguish. There must be a lot of pain. There must be a lot of something that a person cannot handle if they're weeping and gnashing their teeth, right? And then the scripture says, but you're going to see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God. And you yourselves are thrust out. You're not there. Mm -hmm. So what does that say about the kingdom of God? Who belongs there? Who's going to be there? I'm kingdom. sorry. Kingdom. Kingdom minded, minded people. Who, who, who else is going to be there? What type of people? Heavenly bound people. What else? 
People that repent. People that repent. What else? Holy people. People who are seeking God. And how often do, do are we supposed to seek God? Every day. But okay. why do we put God on a shelf and only bring him down when we need him when we're in trouble? Because we're not kingdom minded. Okay. Selfish. Okay. So we need to seek God every day. Those are the people that now, if you look at the life of Abraham, when you think of Abraham, what do you think? He was what? A friend of God. He was a friend of God. And what else? Patient. He was patient. And wasn't he tested? He was tested. God gave him a promise and he called himself helping God. So am I helping God? Right? Am I helping God? God gave you a promise, but you know, he needs your help, right? He was tested. He was tested. Then God tested him with, with that very promise with his son, Isaac. Right? And he said, go sacrifice thy son, thy only son. Right. But I got two sons, God. Yeah, but that other one you helped me with, that wasn't the son of promise. So we've got, if we've got Isaac and we've got Jacob and we know what Jacob went through, Jacob, the trickster, Isaac, if they went through all of that and they were still seeking the kingdom of God, what are, how are we to live? Seeking the kingdom of God. Living for the kingdom of God. All right. Let's go to the next verse. Acts 28, 31. Acts 28, 31. Acts 28, 31. That's the verse we're going to land on, but we're going to start at verse 30. And Paul dwelt two years in his own hired house and received all that came in unto him. Meaning Paul was being blessed during this period of time. God had shown him favor after he had got out of prison. And what did he preach? Verse 31. The preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence no man forbidding him again what should we be teaching the kingdom of God why should we teach the kingdom of God because the kingdom because time is at hand time is at hand we preach the kingdom of God because time is at hand and he taught those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ. So those are the things that we are supposed to be teaching. Those are the things that we are supposed to be presenting to those who come into our life. Amen. The kingdom of God is at hand. What does the kingdom of God represent? Jesus Christ. Okay. That's what he... Uh, that's who he is. But what does it represent? Okay. God's authority on the earth. Okay. Kingdom of God represents salvation. Because you can't get to the kingdom without Jesus. Without Jesus. You can't get to, to the kingdom without salvation. The kingdom of God is at hand. So we preach the kingdom of God because we want everyone to go to the kingdom but they can only get to the kingdom through jesus christ our lord and that is called that is called salvation that is called salvation the kingdom of god is at hand turn with me to romans the second chapter But I was gonna say the same thing, but but it feels good. I don't know where how it is for you guys out there, but it's um, it's it's nice and and windy out here. But it but it does it feels it feels good. It feels good. So Romans the um second chapter.
and we're going to start with the sixth verse. Again, we're talking about the kingdom of God. It says, who will render to every man according to his deeds? To hit them who by patience, continuance and doing well, seek for glory and honor, immortality, eternal life. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath. Tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil, of the Jew first and also to the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. For there is no respect of person with God. Who is the one that's going to render every man according to his deeds? God. And what deeds are that? What deeds are God going to render according to our deeds? What, what, what are those deeds? Every what? Every thought? Every word? Every deed? Every action? Everything that is done in the body, we are going to give account for. Good and bad. We're going to stand before the king of God and give an account for what we do with this body. This body is not just for our own personal satisfaction. This body is not just for eating. This body is not just for going to the gym and working it out. This body is not just for our makeup. This body is not just for that stuff, right? The body Amen. is for the kingdom Amen. of God. Amen. And one day we will stand before God and give an account of everything that's done in this body. Everything. Everything. There is no thought that you can think that God doesn't already know it, even in advance. And he's waiting. Are you going to take that thought into captivity or are you going to allow that thought to think right on out? Right? Because every deed that's done with the body starts with what? a thought so you think about it you let it stay there you don't grab it you don't put it into captivity you don't take it to, to the throne of god you keep that thought in your mind then the next thing you know your body is acting out that thought that started in your mind so god says we're going to stand before him and give an account of every word thought deed and action every deed will be held accountable for it and then verse seven, it says to them who by patience, continuance and doing well, seek for glory, honor and immortality, eternal life, patient continuance. We're going to we're going to break that down. What does it mean? Patient con continuance. Why would God say that? I mean, it's going to be tough living a life for Christ. You're going to need patience because you're going to want to give up. Because when we look at situations and we see it through the, the natural eye, the fleshly eye, we lose hope. We lose patience. We want to say, you know what, God, we, we, we want to do like Abraham. God, I need to help you in this. You said to me I was going to have a son, right? And, and, and this wife that you gave me, she told me, you know, to go be intimate with her handmaiden. And so I can get my son that way. And I could have said no, that would have been patient continuance, right? But I didn't say no, God. I just, you know, this little, she looked good. And, and so I'm, I'm going to go ahead on and, you know, have me a son through her. But that wasn't a son of promise. So when God tells you something, when God wants something from you, you need patient continuance. Right now, we're living in riot, riotous living. We're living in racist, racism, coronavirus. We're living, the world right now is so un foreign to us. But either we give up 
and people are committing suicide people are doing drugs alcohol they're just they've given up they've lost their patient continuance those two words patient continuance the scripture says patient continuance in doing well in well doing patient continuance in well doing what is the well doing is that well doing mean doing what i want to do following my will my way or is that patient continuance mean doing the will of god following after god saying yes lord i don't like this it doesn't feel good but i'm going to do your will when you do that you seek for glory and honor and immortality eternal life Amen. patient continuance gives us what Glory. eternal life we and and doing well we give god glory and mm -hmm. doing well and with patient continuance we honor god the result of our patient continuance is immortality that means living forever which is eternal life so is it worth it is that moment of pleasure of sin worth eternal damnation no nope. it's not not for me maybe for you but not for me right and that should be our mindset not for me so what you do out there that's fine but i don't want that for my life because i'm headed toward the the kingdom of god and that means if i'm headed toward the kingdom of god i'm going to have warfare in my path and i've got to fight that because we wrestle not against flesh and blood verse seven to them who uh, verse eight but unto them that are contentious what does contentious mean argumentative see god you you need to understand um i know you said I know you said don't commit fornication. But I'm only human. Right? Seriously, I'm only human. You you just don't understand. And I know you're going to forgive me because you said that you would. God, you told me if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I know you're going to forgive me, God. So, I need to do this for me. And then I'll be back tomorrow to ask for <laughs> forgiveness. But that's how we treat God. Right? You know, God, my wife ain't treating me right. My wife, she just disrespect me. God, she burns the food every time. And this woman over here, she think I'm golden. And she can cook? Oh, God, she can cook. So, I need, you know, you don't mind, do you? You won't forgive me. It's only one time. I, I know God, I said one time, but it, that food was good, <laughs> right? That's how we treat God. We say it's only one time, God, and we continue. The scripture says that we continue in sin, that grace may abound. God forbid. We can't continue in sin and think God is going to blink his eye and it's okay. Verse 28. I'm sorry, let me finish eight. It says, but unto them are continuous and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. They don't obey the truth. What is the truth? If you ever, if you are ever faced with a situation and you don't know what to do, the first thing you should ask yourself is, what is the truth? Mm -hmm. What is the truth in this situation? Mm -hmm. What is the truth? Now, here's the deal what is your truth and what is god's truth amen right mm -hmm. what is god saying in this and i hear people all the time saying well you know i don't hear him the way you do what about his word amen. it's loud and clear amen. and if you can't read there's so much technology download an app on your bible and tell it read amen. Amen. read it what is god's truth in this situation what is his truth? Should I take this job or should I not take this job? Well, what is the truth in it? Why, I, why would you take this job and not take this job? How can God better use you in whatever job that you're offered? What is the truth? Thy truth is my shield and my buckler. It protects. 
it keeps me girded in when we walk in the truth of God. Now, here's the deal. Your truth and God's truth should really honestly be one truth. If you're walking with God, if you're abiding with God and you're hearing him and he's hearing you, we know he's hearing you and you're hearing him. There's only one truth. But the warfare comes in when we want our own way and we want to walk in our own truth. Verse nine, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doth evil. You ever seen a tormented man? Tormented. Anyone that does not walk in the will of God and the truth of God is a tormented soul. Mm -hmm. Because it's going against the grain of our very nature. How we were born and created. If we're created in the image of God, from the hand of God, there's something on the inside of us that wants to connect with the Father. When we go against that, there is a torment. You have agnostics, you have atheists. They're tormented. Why? Why? Because they don't want to believe in a God because to believe in a God means that someone else is running my life, telling me what to do, giving me a list of do's and don'ts. And I really don't want a list of do's and don'ts. I just want to be free. And God says, you know what? In me, you are free. Amen. In me, you're free. You're free to do whatever it is that you want to do. See, I'm not going to make you serve me. You choose to serve me. See, I don't serve God because I'm made to serve That's him. Right. Amen. I serve God because I love him. Amen. I serve God because I choose to. I don't say no to the things of the world because it feels good and I just want to be holy. I will never get there. I want to. Right? But in order for me to get to that place of holiness, I've got to make choices along the way. And the choices that I make along the way says, I choose God. Amen. Right? But when we begin to choose our own flesh over God, we become tormented souls. Men that choose things over their children. Men that that abuse their wives verbally, physically, mentally, spiritually. Husbands that abuse their wives, you are a tormented soul and you're taking your torment out on your wife. And one day you're going to stand before God and you're going to be held accountable for that position as priest of the home and head of the household. So get it right now before you stand before the father. Because God told the husband, and I don't know who I'm talking to, but God told the husband, husband, love your wives as Christ loved the church, that he gave his own life for it. God was rebuked. He was despised. He was rejected. He was beaten. And yet he stayed there, right there. He went to the cross. He gave his life. He shed his blood for his wife. Who is a wife? The wife is a church. Husbands. Love your wife. I don't know who's that for. Who, whoever it's for. And your heart is being pricked. Because of the word that has just gone forth. Go to your wife. Ask your wife to forgive you. For how you treated her. Love her. Because if you don't love your wife. And honor her. You can't even get a prayer through. So don't come to me trying to pray for me. Don't go out there and try to pray for somebody else and you can't honor your own wife. <laughs> Verse 10. But glory, honor, and peace. What? Glory, honor, and peace. This is the opposite of a tormented soul. We walk in glory. We walk in honor. We walk in peace. And those who work it to do good. Now hear this. Because I know people are saying. But salvation is not by works. It's not. You cannot work to be saved. But the things that you do is good. Is an evidence of your salvation. Amen. It is an evidence that you've asked Jesus Christ. To come into your life. And to forgive you of your sins. When you do good. What does doing good mean? Number one. I mean, there's a whole bunch. I'm just going to give you maybe one, maybe two. But number one, that you forgive. Amen. You forgive. Three forgiveness. You receive the forgiveness of God. You forgive the person that sinned against you. 
and you forgive yourself. Amen. Forgive. Do good. Do good. Instead of throwing that piece of paper out the car, go walk it over to the trash. Right? Instead of taking that pen from your job because it writes good and I'm a pen fetish. But anyway, instead of taking that pen, right? You leave that pen in that drawer because it don't have your name on it. And if you want the pen, go to your supervisor and say, you know what? This pen really write good. Do you think I can have this pen? Mm -hmm. Then there will be no guilt from it. Quit going to the store and taking things and putting it in your pocket or in your bag because you want it. And sometimes people just do it for the thrill of it. Mm -hmm. Quit coveting somebody else's wife or somebody else's girlfriend because you think she's cute and you want her hanging on your arm and you coveting her. That you're not a man of God. Man, quit, quit running from woman to woman to woman to woman. If you're not ready to commit, if you're not ready to first commit to God and have him to be head of your life, stop running from woman to woman. Get yourself right with God because you're going to be held accountable for every woman that you ran to that you had no intentions of making your wife. Now, here's one thing. Let me tell you. Christians shouldn't be dating. Now, Amen. now you can you can say that I'm doing a rabbit trail, whatever you want to do. Go ahead on, write it out, rabbit trail, send it to me in the email, prayerbtwministries.gmail.com. I don't care. But let me tell you, Christians should not be dating. Christians, you are in a relationship, a courtship, with the end result of marriage. If you're going out with the opposite sex and you continue to go out with them, you're taking them out to dinner, you're having them over for dinner, or whatever the scenario is, you're dating. You're dating. You're courting. And Christians don't date. They court for marriage. There is a purpose. And the main number one purpose, when two people come together in a dating-like ses session, in a courting session, is for the kingdom of God. Amen. It's for ministry. That's right. It is to seek the will of God. It is to do the ways of God, not to please the flesh. There are too many Christians that get together and they just want to please the flesh and have no foundation in their relationship, no ministry whatsoever. Amen. Finally, you decide, I'm tired of sinning, I'm tired of shacking up, I'm tired of fornicating, so I'm going to go ahead on and get married. You get married, you're able to have sex 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and now you're bored. Now what am I going to do? Because I really don't like the way you look no more. You was nice looking. Because you don't have no roots. Amen. Your roots should be in Christ. Right. Your roots should have ministry. Your roots should have purpose. That relationship should have purpose. What does that person do for you? Who? Make me hot. Really? That's all? Then you need to walk him to the door. You need to walk her to the door if that's all you see. Now, I understand men are visual and they want a nice looking woman. I got that. That's great. Fantastic. But is that all her depth is? Who is she in Christ? Is she leading you to Christ? Is she making you a better man? Just by being in her presence? Is he making you a better woman? That you want to seek out God and be a better woman for God because he's in your presence? Courting is more than just the end result of an intimate sexual relationship. Courting is for the will of God to do what God desires with two people. Two are better than one. I don't know who that was for, Amen. but God bless you with it. Verse 11, and I'm going to end on here. For God has no respecter of persons, none. You are not better than anyone else. I don't care what your social status is. I do not care where you live, what you drive where you work, how much money is in your bank account, 
what nationality you are, how long your hair is or isn't, if it's real or not, I don't care. God doesn't care. He has no respecter of persons. When we stand before God, we stand before him all equal. We stand before God equal to give an account of everything we do in this body that he's given to us. Every word that we speak out of our mouth, everything that we do, everything that our hands touch, everything that our eyes see, everything that our ears hear, every place that our feet go, everything that's done behind closed doors when you think there's nobody there but you, you will give an account for it in the name of Jesus. You better know what gate you're walking through. Either it's the straight gate of the kingdom of God or it's the wide, broad way to destruction, to hell. It's your choice. See, God's not going to come down and say, oh, no, no, my daughter, no, my son, come this way. No, he's given us his word right here, right here. Faces instructions before leaving earth, his word right here. You want to know what God said? Quit running after every prophet, every apostle, every pastor, every preacher, every teacher. Get into your word so if they give you a prophetic word, you know if they're speaking the truth. Because some of you have taken the prophetic word of somebody who's not living right themselves. You've taken that prophetic word and wonder why it hasn't come to pass. What did God say? Yeah. What did God say? That's right, Sister Veronica. Know what gate you're walking through. What gate is it? Is it the kingdom of God or is it the kingdom of Satan? What kingdom is it? What kingdom are you, do you get up every morning to head toward? I'm going to get up this morning and I'm going to do the will of God because I know that at the end of the day, as time go on, I'm going to be held accountable for every thought, word, deed, and action. I'm going to be held accountable for it. So where are you going with your life? What are you doing with your life? What are you watching on TV? Can Jesus come in and watch it with you? Woo! You know, that's what I'm saying. Can he watch it with you? What music are you listening to? Is it taking you to the kingdom of God or is it taking you to the bedroom with somebody else's wife or somebody else's husband or somebody else's man or somebody else's courtship? What are you doing? What, where are you going at night when you're creeping? When you're supposed to be at home, sheltered in, where are you going? What satisfaction are you trying to, to pain that you're trying to numb on the inside of you? How are you numbing it? Through drugs? Oh, well, well, see, you don't understand. I take over-the-counter medication. Drugs. Pharmacaea. Spirit of Pharmacaea. Drugs. That's what it is. It still is drugs. Oh, well, I just have a little, a little toddy at night. A little bit of wine. It's okay. And when you wake up in the morning, you're so drunk, you don't even know when you went to bed. <laughs> I'm done for today. <laughs> God bless you.